Hello, this is David Sangster, lead pastor at New Life Church. Thank you for joining us today for our podcast. It's our goal to help you grow in your faith and discover all that God has for you. I hope you're encouraged, challenged, and inspired. Enjoy the message. All right, today is the last week of our The Power of Ten series. We've been talking, the last six weeks, we've been talking about um, the Ten Commandments and how the Ten Commandments are powerful because they are the the foundation, the very cornerstone of civilized people. Civilization is built on these concepts. That's why they're so important. Um, I think we kind of, in, in, in a time, in a place, in our world, in our history, where civil, being civilized is something that is not to be taken for granted. It's something that never, not, people don't always act in a civilized manner. These types of things are very important for us to understand. Okay, so today we are in week six, and we're going to be tackling the last command. And I told you last week that I believe that much of the issues that we are having in our current culture, this westernized, contemporary, modern, uh, media-soaked culture, deal with this particular commandment. Many of the problems are systemic from this from not following this commandment. So um, the title of today's message is one single word, and it's content. Content. And the big idea is this. If we are not grounded in the love of God, thank you, Scott, for picking those songs. If we're not grounded in the love of God, we will begin to believe our self-worth and ultimate happiness is found in the world's stuff. In the world's stuff. Our culture uh, says more stuff equals more happiness. You don't believe me? Look at the credit card debt rates for our current time. More stuff equals more happiness, even if you really don't own it. You need, you, you need, dot, 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 fill in the blank. You, you need it. Oh, here's, now, here's, the, here's, the, here's the really good one. It goes from you need to, oh, you deserve. You deserve dot, dot, you fill in the blanks. You deserve it. Just swipe it. Just swipe the card. You deserve it. Here's one. You have arrived when you obtain dot, dot, dot. I was watching a show with my wife the other day. Um, you know this by now. I like watching HGTV stuff. Um, home renovation stuff, because I'm just like that. And uh, <laughs> this one buyer of this home, she, she based every decision, every decision. My wife and I were laughing at it, because she probably spent way more than she could afford, because she based every decision on, will people know that I have made it? She, everything was, does this bathroom say that I've made it? We need to upgrade this bathroom. This doesn't say I made it. It's like, wow, you're really concerned about what other people think about you. I've made it. I've done it. Does this pink color say I've made it? A pink color? So we have this idea that the next dot, dot, dot is going to bring us happiness. At least until the next thing comes around. Because a dot, dot, dot is a moving target. Right? 
Because once you obtain the dot, 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 there's always another dot, dot, dot circling around you like a vulture. So that's what the culture tells us. Scripture says more Jesus equals fullness of joy. That's what the Scripture says. More Jesus equals fullness of joy. Now, that sounds so simplistic and so, like, churchy. I get it. I know. But I'm telling you, the more you, you, you get this concept, the more the other things don't really, don't really matter as much. So, commandment number 10. Here we go. Don't covet. Like, oh, that, Okay. Well, here it is, Deuteronomy 5.21. Do not covet your neighbor's wife. That goes back to last week's sermon. Or desire your neighbor's house, his field or his male or female slave, his ox or his donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Don't desire your neighbor's stuff. Stop worrying about keeping up with the Joneses, whoever the Joneses are. We got to we got to stop looking lateral. Here we go. What does it mean to covet? That's a word that's kind of used in the Bible, covet, but we don't really break it down very often. It means to yearn to possess or have something. It is to covet is a sense of discontentment. To always be yearning to have something else. I'll be honest. Pastors sometimes covet. Sorry. Especially when the new iPhone comes out. Actually, the last few iPhones have been like, well, who cares? But anyway, when the next technology comes out, and I'll, I'll be in the church world, I'll tell you what it's, you know, it's hard. It's hard to see somebody leave your church to go to another church. What do they have that we don't? And to try to keep up with the Joneses of church world is not easy. And pastors get sad. It's all, it's all around us. It's something that happens, right? So we got to be careful that we're not looking laterally for our joy. So let's get into it. This command don't, do not covet, shows us that obedience to all the other commands begins in the heart. This is one of those commands that is not an outward command. Do you notice that? It's not like, don't kill your brother. <laughs> That's an outward command, right? Don't kill him. Don't steal from your brother. But where does don't kill your brother and don't steal from your brother, don't have, commit adultery with your, with your brother's <laughs> wife, don't, don't do these things, where does this come from? It comes from Inside, we talked a little about that last week. All the evil that we do outwardly starts on the inside. And coveting is part of that, that, uh, that makeup, okay? Um, this was one of Israel's biggest problems. And that's why God gave this to this group of slaves that came out of Egypt. I love that. I was thinking about the, 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 the Israelites when you were singing that song about, you know, there's no... Wall, you won't tear down. No, whatever. What are the words? Come on, you know the words. He's like, I don't remember. They're on the wall. They're on the screen. Uh, God just busted down the walls of Egypt and pulled his people out. 
right? That was a huge deal. You would think that a people who saw those things would be like, wow, this, this, is more, this God is more than enough for me. But constantly, constantly, they would complain. I know you don't ever do that. Look at my wife. She's like, <laughs> yeah, you, you, you want to talk, pal. I know you never complain, but they would complain. They would complain that they didn't have onions. That was their complaint. Back in Egypt, we had onions. Out here in the desert, we only had this supernatural food that comes down from the sky every day, covers the ground, and then goes away, called manna. You know what manna means? What is it? They didn't even know what it was. They couldn't even put a name to it. Like, we're just going to call it, I have no idea. What is it? That's what it means. Manna, it's supernatural food that has completely sustained their people. But yeah, it's not onions. Yes, we were slaves, but we had onions and leeks. Apparently, leeks are a step above onions. But this constantly was their problem. Israel, they would look at other countries that they they, they were told to go in and wipe out because of their incredible sinfulness, and they would go, you know what, I kind of like their gods. Those gods are kind of cool. In the worship of their gods, they get to do some freaky things that we don't get to do. I kind of like that. They constantly, they constantly were comparing themselves with, the, with, with other things. And this God who ripped them out of slavery, servitude, and brought them to a promised land that was more than they could ever have asked for, the Bible calls it flowing with milk and honey, brought them, that wasn't enough for them. Covetousness was the, really the, the destruction of Israel throughout their history. They just couldn't, they couldn't see that God was enough. When it came to a king, they kept looking at around the other, other nations. We want a king like everybody else has. And God's like, all right, fine. You want... You're, I'm going to give you what you want. Trust me, it's not going to be what you think it's going to be. In fact, this king, he's going to take your stuff. He's going to take your sons and put them in the army. He's going to take you, he's going to make you into servants to build his, 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 his cities. And he's like, it's, I know this is what you think you want, but it's not going to turn out. But if you want it so bad, here you go. And it was bad. They were not content. Starts in the heart. We talk about this a, a little uh, last week, right? Again, the tenth command shows us that true obedience is not complete without, without heart obedience. The, the last commandment really tells us that all the others, if you could just make yourself do all the other things, but yet your heart wasn't right with God, it's only, it's only skin deep. He wants your heart to be right as well. They're not only about loving God, they're, only about, they're not only about loving God and our neighbor, outwardly, tangibly, and practically, they're also about how our hearts are before God. Luke chapter 12 says this, and he, Jesus, said that to them, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist of the abundance of Stuff, possessions. 
And he told them a parable saying this. And we've, we've t- talked about this parable recently. The land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. See the, see the, the words here? My grain, my goods. Where did he get his grain and his goods? From the land. He said, my land. Is it really your land? He's he's looking inward. And I will say to my soul, soul? I love that. (laughs) You can see this guy looking into a mirror, right? Soul? You have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax. Eat. Drink. Be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul, your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasures for himself and is not rich toward God. And he said to his disciples, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious. Do not be anxious. J. Kim, in his book, it's a long title, so here, Analog Christian, Cultivating Contentment, Resilience, and Wisdom in a Digital World. That's the name of the, that's the title. Great book. Recommend it. Says this. A life of increasing contentment, resilience, and wisdom is something we're all after. Yet most of us know that the digital age has dangerously undone some of the necessary work of such a life. I mean, think about it this. Our, so, our, a, our social media-soaked culture creates a perpetual tunnel vision that fixes our gaze on self, our comparison of self with the world around us, leading to the loss of contentment. That's what I'm talking about. Our culture is so connected that we are so uh, so the world has become a global neighborhood. I mean, back in the day, people, obviously, since this commandment was given, people have been coveting other people. Not a new thing. But, like, they were coveting, like, the guy next door or somebody in their neighborhood. Now we're comparing our situation with the entire world. It's become a very heavy if, if this is your path to peace, comparing yourself with other people or having what other people have or, or finding your joy in things, it's become a very, very heavy scale to live by in our culture, right? Um, think about this. Discontentment leads to anxiety. That's what that passage said. He talks all about to his disciples and the people, don't be worried about stuff. And then he says to his disciples, don't be anxious. Because discontentment leads to anxiety. Anxiety leads to depression. Depression leads to despair. And despair leads to death. In our affluent society, where people have access to all these things, we've never had a suicide rate higher than we do right now. In fact, the, the highest number 
of suicide victims, and I will call them victims, are young. They're young. Why is that? Well, I have a couple ideas on it. We're living in an age that we don't understand. We don't understand it. We've never lived through a change in culture like this in hundreds of years as, as, as humans. We, haven't, we don't understand this ability that we have, this digital culture. It's a big deal. People are like, oh, pastor's harping on the cell phone again. No! I'm saying it's a tool that we don't understand yet, that we haven't gotten our heads around. How, damage, how, how dangerous is this tool that we are using? And we're just, we're, we're the guinea pigs of the whole thing. That's what I'm saying. And I think a lot of times, as the guinea pigs of a new thing, a new thing, we end up not quite understanding. I think generations later down the road, I think they're going to get a handle on this thing. I think they're going to figure it out. I think my kids will deal with media for their kids much different than, than we have. I just think it's going to be a, a learning process. So do you see how I'm not putting the blame on anybody here? But I am saying it's a, different, it's a, it's a difficult time for us because we are seeing things happening in real time that are really unhealthy. And a lot of it has to do with this, this, this covetousness, this comparison game, and trying to find meaning in a place it was never meant to be had. So Kim goes on to say, but there is an ancient and timeless remedy for this undoing, a way to come up for analog air above the digital smoke. In his letter to the Galatians, Paul writes this, Galatians 5.16, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Walk by the Spirit. Now, I think that has two meanings to it. Walk by the, means walk in the ways of the Spirit. Yay, walk in the ways. I also think it means walk next to it. Walk hand in hand with your Savior. Be connected to Him. Don't, you know, you're just walking by a, a, a lifestyle or a, a way of thinking that would be the spiritual way. I think it means walk with Him. When, 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 when you have a question about something that we don't know anything about, Go to him and say, God, what do I do with this thing? How do I? The culture is telling me this. Father, how, how do, what do you think about How should I deal with this thing? And he will tell you. He will. His word is true. The result of this walking by the Spirit is the cultivation of the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5 continues with this. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I think those are some, some of those, if not all those things, are novel <laughs> to our culture today. People would like to have a little more love in their life. How about some joy? Notice it doesn't say happiness. It's not, it's not in there. The fruit of the Spirit is not happiness. Happiness is a fleeting. We, we, we look for like, we want to be happy. Happiness is a fleeting emotional response to a thing, to a stimuli. Joy is a, con, a constant, uh, concept of 
being filled with contentment and, and the life in the midst of any circumstance. That's what I want. I mean, I want some happiness too. I like going to Disney World and riding rides and feeling happy until I get in the next line and have to wait for four hours. <laughs> then I'm not happy. And then I'm happy because the ride was good. I mean, see what I'm saying? But joy is different than happiness. So I'm just picking on one, but joy, peace, patience, kindness. We could use some kindness. Church, we should be kind. If we're filled and we're walking with the Spirit, we should be a kind people. We should not be known by what we hate. We should be known by who we love. So much of our Christian culture um, is known by what we quote unquote hate instead of being known by the things that we love. I'm saying we can't, hear, hear me, hear me, hear me, church. We can't accept everything. That's not how it works. But we can be loving in everything. Whether they receive it or not, that's up to them. But we have to do our job. Patience, kindness, goodness. These are not a set of disconnected, optional, pick-and-choose attributes on a Christian buffet, I'll take a little love. I'll leave the, uh, the patience part. It's like Brussels sprouts to me. I'm not going to eat the patience part. You know, no, this is not a buffet. This is a uh, definitive characteristic of a single fruit of the Spirit. Undeniable results of a life inhabited by God as we patiently and steadily walk the way of Jesus. Think about this. Fruit is a sign of life. Fruit is a sign of life. Living trees bear fruit. Dead ones don't. In the same way, those who are inhabited by the spirit of the living God will bear fruit. And what is one of those fruits? Joy. If you are inhabited by the living Christ, the fruit that is going to grow in you is one of them's joy, one of them's love, one of them's patience, kindness. I mean, come on. That's what the church should be known for. We got to stop being like the sourpuss people, and, you know. Guess I'll go to church. You, don't, you wouldn't want to go to church with me, would you? No. You're miserable all the time. I'm not going to church with you. Right? Think of it, Right? I, you know, I'm a Christian. Can't do much, but I guess I'm going to go to heaven, I think. I don't know. Would you want to be a Christian? No! That's awful sounding. Come on, people. These should be fruits that are, are living in our lives. If we're, maybe, maybe, that's, maybe that's the problem. Maybe we're not seeing the fruit because we're not actually connected to the Holy Spirit. We're not connected to Christ. We'll get to that a little later. But I'm telling you, we could hey, we could change this around. The church should be the most enjoyable, happy place for anybody to walk into. Especially because we have coffee. <laughs> Wonderfully and beautifully, the fruit of the Spirit offers us the very specific anecdote. Antidote, sorry, and not anecdote. Antidotes. We must desperately need the undoing we're experiencing in our digital age. That's according to Kim. I told you I had a lot today. 
in my, in my personal devotions and in my reading lately, this particular thing has been coming up a lot. And I don't, you never notice that like you'll read something and you'll, God's doing something in you and everything kind of comes together. Well, in my devotional, uh, morning devotional by Paul David Tripp, I'm reading uh, through, the, through this devotional called New Morning Mercies. And he had a devotional thought says this, contentment con- uh, celebrates grace. Contentment celebrates grace. The contented heart is satisfied with the giver and is therefore freed from craving the next gift. Right? Contentment is satisfied with the giver. Sin does two very significant things to us all. First, it causes us all to insert ourselves into the center of our worlds. Insert ourselves into the center of our worlds, making life all about us. In our self-focus, we are all too motivated by our wants, our needs, and our feelings. And because we are, we tend to be more aware of what we don't have than of the many wonderful blessings that we do have. That was Israel's problem right there. They were far too aware of what they didn't have instead of what they did have. I mean, these people are literally following a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. Through the wilderness, oh, wait, you're thirsty? Let me split open a rock and give you some water. I mean, this is their life. This is their existence. And they're like, yeah, I want some onions. Inevitably, because we are self-focused, we tend to be scorekeepers, constantly keeping our piles of stuff to the piles of others. We compare our piles of stuff to the piles of others. If a life of discontentment and envy... It's a life of discontentment and envy. Envy is always selfish. There's a second thing of equal significance that sin does to us. It causes us to look horizontally. We talked about this in the series. Horizontally for what we can only ever be found vertically. What can only ever be found vertically. So we look to creation for life, hope, peace, rest, contentment identity, meaning, and purpose, inner peace, and motivation to continue. The problem is that nothing in creation can ever give you these things. Creation was never designed to satisfy your heart. What is it then? Creation was made to be one big finger pointing you to the one who alone has the ability to satisfy your heart. That's what creation, creation should make you look up. Kind of like the, the uh, designers of cathedrals built, their, built their, um, their buildings to make you look skyward. That's what creation should do. That's the only reason for it. It's, it's, it's for your good and it's for your joy, but it's supposed to remind you of the giver. Many of us are, now this is going to be harsh. Many of us are practical idolaters, meaning we get up in the morning and in some way ask the creation to be our savior. That is to ask of what, ask of it what only God can give. Now, I'm not saying that you all are idolaters. I'm saying we we can be, uh, one of the best books I've ever read was called The Christian Atheist. 
And what it, what it was was this concept, this, this concept of practical idolatry or practical atheism. We believe in God. We know about him. We read about him. We love him. But we, we spend our days acting as if he doesn't exist or if, if, as if um, he's not enough when he is. Psalm 73 says this. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. That was that song we sang today. Right? You're all I want. You're all I want. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. These are the words of a man who learned the secret of contentment. When you're satisfied with the giver because you have found in him the life you are looking for, you are freed from the ravenous quest of satisfaction that is discouraging, uh, that is is the discouraging existence of so many people. St. Augustine was correct when he said, your heart will rest only ever when it has found its rest in him. Let me say that again. My heart will rest only ever when it has found its rest in him. He is the one of the most beautiful fruits of grace. A heart that is content, more given to worship than demand, more given to joy of gratitude than the anxiety of discontent. Philippians 4, 11 says this. For I have learned, now this is Paul talking, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstance I find myself in. He does not say, I have learned to be happy in every circumstance. He says, I've learned to be content in every circumstance. I know how to make do with little, and I know how to make do with a lot. In any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being Content, whether well-fed or hungry, whether in abundance or in need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Can we just bring that back to that other verse? We walk by the Spirit. Yes, walk in the ways of the Spirit, but walk hand in hand with the Spirit. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You know what that verse is used out of context every day? Well, I'm poor today, but I can do all things through. No, that's not what it means. It means I can endure, I can go through, I can live a life that is not happy all the time. I can go, I can live in a marriage that is not sunshine and rainbows right now, but I can walk through this with God and my spouse. I can go through this together. We can do all things through Christ, through Christ, hand in hand with the Holy Spirit walking in the Spirit. I can do this. And I am not going to let my quest for happiness destroy my life of contentment and joy in God. That doesn't mean you shouldn't have goals, right? Let me ask you a question. For those of you who are not married here today, if that's one of your goals, don't be discontent with your current status. Instead, make yourself into the person that you would want to be in a relationship that you will someday have. 
Instead of thinking about, oh, I'm not married, I'm not married, I'm not married, I'm not in a relationship, I'm not in a relationship, my life sucks. Say, I'm going to spend this time getting so close to God and walking in the Spirit that when, that per- when God brings that person around, I'm going to be able to give him everything or give her everything that, I, that God wants me to give. It, we have to learn to be content in the place that we are right now. That doesn't mean we're going to stay there for the rest of our lives, but we're so self-focused. Well, all of my friends, blah, blah, blah. Guess what? Your friends are not as happy as they look on Instagram. 23-year-old's college girl knew, she, knew her mom loved this certain kind of chocolate. She bought it for her. Knew her dad um, had a particular thing that he liked, bought it for him. Knew her nephews wanted a certain game system, and so she bought it for him. And she left it at the top of an eight-story building before she jumped off to her death. And everybody was so shocked about this because she seemed like what every girl would want to be. If you looked at her socials, there was no red flags. She was happy and had friends, and, but her note said that she was lonely and depressed. Folks, we're not going to find happiness in stuff. We're not going to find joy in attaining the thing that my friend has or comparing the piles of stuff. That's a tragedy right there. But it's, unfortunately, it's all too familiar in our culture. First, Peter, uh, First Timothy 6, this is Paul writing to Timothy, a young man. He said this, good, but goodness with, excuse me, but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world and we can take nothing out. If we have food and clothing, we will be content with these. But those who have, uh, uh, want to be rich fall into temptation, a trap, and many foolish and harmful desires which plunge people into ruin and destruction. I don't know how, I can't say it better than that, but I feel like he could write, he could be writing to Enfield, Connecticut in America in 2022 and use the same terminology. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And by their cravings, think about that, by their cravings, that's what, that's what covetousness is, it's cravings. By their cravings, some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many It is God and his grace alone that can make peaceful living possible for each of us. Connection to God by his great grace gives us all we need for a thriving life. You're all I want. You're all I want. Maybe that needs to be our mantra. You're all I want, God. When those things kind of like show themselves, the shiny things, I was, I was laughing the other day. My daughter was trying to tell me about something. My youngest daughter was trying to tell me about something. And she couldn't get it out. She was like so distracted 
It was, it was, Lisa and I were just like laughing because she was trying to tell us something, but she just kept, like, she just kept, she couldn't stay focused. She just kept like, everything was so, dist- Lincoln would say something from the other room and he was playing or something, and it wasn't really that important, but, uh, no, it wasn't. It was just like something silly, but she just couldn't get it out. It was just like, she was so distracted by all the things that was hilarious. And I'm thinking, sometimes that's me. Sometimes that's me. I get pulled away and distracted from the most important things in my life by stupid, shiny things that don't really matter that much. I'll be honest. I don't know if you're with me, but I'll be honest. That's, that's me sometimes. And maybe we need to refocus and say, God, you're all I want. You're all I want. Thank you so much, worship you, for that song. That was so perfect. Connection to God by his great grace, gives us all we need for a thriving life. John 15, my favorite passage of Scripture, chapter of Scripture is John 15. Verse 5 says this, I am the vine, this is God, you are the branches. The one who remains in me, and I am him, produces much fruit. Can we go back to that walking hand in hand with the Spirit? You live in the Spirit, you walk in the Spirit, staying connected, staying Focused. What is that fruit? Love instead of self-centered despair. Joy instead of comparison. Peace instead of contempt leading to a life of, what does this lead to? It leads to a life of contentment. Patience instead of impatience. Kindness and goodness instead of hostility, which leads to a life of resilience. Oh, man, we need some more resilience in our culture, don't we? Resilience. If I hear that word triggered again, I'm going to get triggered. That triggers me. Everything triggers you. You need to be more resilient. Kindness and goodness replaces that thin skin. Right? Because our, because our meaning and our, our value doesn't, has nothing to do with what somebody says about us. Or says, does to us, our meaning and value comes from the person that we're walking hand in hand with. That's God and his Holy Spirit. So we can be thick-skinned. We can have grace and love even when somebody is, quote-unquote, triggering us. Faithfulness instead of forgetfulness. Gentleness instead of outrage. Self-control instead of reckless indulgence leading to a life. All this will lead to a life of Now, John 15 continues with this. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. So it's not on you to produce the fruit. It's not on you to produce the fruit of the Spirit. It's on you to stay hand in hand with the Spirit, to stay connected to him. That's, that's your job. Your job is to stay connected to the vine. Your job is to walk hand in hand, to walk in the spirit. And it's his job through the, the life-giving uh, person of Christ will produce that fruit in you. It's not your job to produce fruit. Don't get overwhelmed by it. Just stay connected. Because without him, you can do nothing. Remember back Philippians 4.13? But I can do all things through Christ, through Christ who strengthens me. Beautiful. Contentment 
is counter-cultural. Do you realize that we in the church are now the rebels? It's gotten to that point. When pop culture has a, a uh, satanic worship session at the Grammys, you and I are countercultural at that point. When that's okay, when that's the world, when that's what they're doing, and we say, no, then we are now the rebels. I kind of like that. Contentment is countercultural. Look at the condition of our world. Is it marked by love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control? Is our world marked by those things? Let's bring it home. Is the church? It's a good question, right? Because the church is not an entity. The church is you. The church is me. Am I marked by those things? And I would have to be honest with you and say, not the way I should be. So what is my job? My job is I got to pull myself up by my bootstraps, and I got to have more patience. No, that's not how it works. My job is to, say, is to get more connected to the vine, is to walk more, walk hand in hand with the Spirit. We can be all these things if we're connected to the vine, are grateful for his grace and allow his love, his love to be our source of strength. So as we close this series, now we're, we're shutting down this entire series, and I think it's very interesting because John 15 talks about this series. You didn't know that, did you, that this was, Jesus gave this series a long time ago. John 15, 9 says this, remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. He gave you these things for your joy, not for your detriment. He gave you the, the blueprints for civilized, civilized society for your joy. He says, I want my joy to be in you and your joy to be complete. The commands are for your good, to bring you joy, complete joy. That's the power of 10. That's the power of 10. God, I thank you so much for this opportunity we've had over the last six weeks to look at these timeless truths about how we can live in fullness of life, how we can thrive, how we can have joy, and it's it's by connecting to you. And Lord, you're going to build these attributes into us. You're going to produce fruit in us. And God, we can be a civilized people because you have laid down in your word the foundation for what that looks like. God, I pray that nobody in this room would be overwhelmed by having to do X, Y, and Z, or one, two, three. But they would feel encouraged today that their one and only job is to be connected to the vine, the very life source of creation. 
to walk hand in hand with the Spirit. So God, I thank you for my brothers and sisters. Lord, forgive us where we have transgressed. Lord, forgive us for looking to the creation as a place to find our joy and happiness and fulfillment instead of looking to you. And today, God, we're going to keep saying, you're all I want. <laughs> you're all I want. Holy Spirit, come rest on us. You're all we want. We give you praise, glory, and thank you for all the things you've done for us. God bless. I hope you enjoyed our podcast today. To find out more about New Life Church or to plan a visit, go to our website at discovernewlife.org.